Hello, everyone, and welcome into Talking Schmidt. It is a special edition here. The next two episodes are going to be episodes that focus on the start of the NFL season because, believe it or not, a week from when this show airs, we have our first NFL football game as the defending Super Bowl champions, Kansas City Chiefs. They are in action against the Houston Texans, and if you remember the game when they last met in the playoffs, Patrick Mahomes made some magic happen to come back from a 24-point deficit to blow out the Texans in the second half of that game. I am joined for this first segment. We're going to start with the Northern uh, Divisions. So we'll do NFC North and we'll do AFC North with my good friend Ryan Stieg. Ryan, welcome back to the podcast, my friend. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Uh, I, I, I can show my football knowledge, not just a hockey guy. I'd like to play. Yeah, he's <laughs> not. He's not. Um, this man knows a lot about every uh, a lot about everything. Um mm-hmm. So that's a good thing to have you on here. And I, I wanted to also have you on here because I know you've not only – because for people who don't really know a lot about the UP, and I know obviously me tagging you in here, there will be people from the UP that listen to this. But for those of the people who uh, have followed me in other parts of my journey and don't know much about the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, it is in Michigan, so you expect Lions fans. But it also touches uh, pretty much Wisconsin, Green Bay area on on one side of it. So there's a ton of Packers fans. But you also have Vikings fans just because of being kind of in that northern area. Um, Ryan is a Vikings fan, correct? I'm correct on that? Yes. So Ryan is a big Vikings fan. So he's had the opportunity to... cover Lions, Packers, and Vikings. Um, nobody really cares about the Bears, um, but we'll cover them as well in this situation here. Uh, but Ryan, let's start off in the NFC North. We all know how it kind of wrapped up last year. Uh, Green Bay won the division, 13-3 and finish, then gets smoked in the NFC Championship. The Vikings, 10-6. and They made the playoffs last year, ended up losing to the eventual NFC champions in the divisional round. The Bears went 8-8, eight and eight, not bad for a... Uh, Chicago Bears team led by Mitchell Trubisky, and of course the Lions three twelve and one. Looking back at last season, what kind of stands out to you most about the NFC North and how it finished? Well, if you look at last year, it's just it just totally didn't play out the way I thought it was going to be. The only thing that played out the way I thought was that Detroit would finish last. <laughs> That's about the only thing that really stuck out to me that went the way I thought it was going to be. I mean, yeah. I thought Green Bay was going to be better, but yeah. I didn't think they'd win the division, you know, like that kind of a record of 13 and 3. I thought the Vikings would be led by their defense, which is what they're typically led by, but you know, they did Kirk Kirk Cousins took a step. I feel last year, yeah. you know, he was always that guy who you know, is he ever going to reach his full potential? Because, you know, he's always been that, like, that also-ran quarterback. Like, he's, like, you know, top 15 in the league. Is he on the cusp of a top 10 guy? Yeah. He's never going to be a top 5 guy. But is can he be the guy that can get you to the Super Bowl? Um, he took a step. I don't think he's quite there yet. I mean, he beat the Saints, outdueled Drew Brees, <laughs> which yeah. is an accomplishment in itself. But, you know, he still needs a little more to go, I think. uh, But I think he has the potential to do so. They're trying to give him the team that he needs to go further in the playoffs. I also didn't see San Francisco coming in, (laughs) making the Super Bowl last year, too. So it's kind of a weird year. The Bears, it's interesting how well they felt, how much they fell off. Like, people are thinking after they won the North, like, 
next year, this is the Bears' year, you know, last year. And it just didn't accumulate to anything. It's just, I got a question for you. Do you think, is Mitchell Trubisky going to be anything? No. Or is he going to become the career backup at this point yeah I, I think nick Foles, who is a career backup will be the starter this year um we all know how nick Foles has uh, his super bowl victory was just absolutely phenomenal when you think back to that with the eagles but um i know they're saying that it, you know it's a tight race it's a tight race but I, I still think week one in chicago if nick Foles isn't your starter and you're still trying to ride with mitchell trubisky you're gonna have uh less than eight wins um yeah he, he's just not the winner that uh, I think people thought he would be. And you got to remember, uh, Bears fans, I love to dig this in with Bears fans. Um, they passed on a guy by the name of Patrick Mahomes to get Mitchell <laughs> Trubisky. So, Yeah, and traded up to get Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, and, and the Chiefs have won that um, wholeheartedly. Uh, in that uh, in that scenario, so yeah, I, I don't I don't think Mitchell Trubisky's the guy, um, especially when you're looking at the talent that has come out of that uh, that draft. When you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes, who's not only the reigning MVP or what not, he's not reigning MVP, but he won an MVP uh, the first season he started, uh, and then he's a the reigning Super Bowl MVP and part of the reigning Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. So um, Mitchell Trubisky, uh, I'm sorry, bud, you're just going to be a uh, you're going to be one of those guys like the like the Brady Six that they'll talk about <laughs> who was drafted before Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you have now become a trivia question answer, I guess. Yeah, I I think he has. From from what I've gathered in my years watching football, it's like if you're a rookie QB, you get maybe a three year window where people can see that maybe you have the potential to be something. But after your third year. I think people are like, all right, this is like a make or break thing. You know, you're yeah. going to go from starter to, or are you going to just be a career backup? That, and a lot of guys can make decent money and have decent careers as backup quarterbacks. But, you know, you only get really three years to emerge as a starter for, you know, to be seen as you could be what you're, you could reach your full potential. So, but, uh, as I've gotten a little off track. We'll get back no, to I think that's good because, you know, the other the other thing about that to just definitely bolster your point here is why would you bring in a guy who has been a starter before, who's won a Super Bowl, um, if you were worried about – or if you weren't worried about your starting quarterback? I mean, and that's just simple. So I, I think that definitely uh, just builds on what you were saying is you wouldn't bring in a Nick Foles – to mm-hmm. to be that guy when and have him in a quarterback competition with your star with your with your main guy like you're not seeing um you're not seeing uh you know to to go on with the Chiefs here you're not seeing them try to bring in someone to battle with Patrick Mahomes like he's your guy um you know you're not seeing uh you know Tampa Bay right now is not also going to try and bring in somebody to battle with Tom Brady like it's just not going to happen um so that that definitely I kind of think shores up what we know about Mitchell Trubisky, but kind of rolling into the uh, to the NFC North, looking at this season, if we will, um, uh, do you think Green Bay has enough to stay in that top spot with uh, everything that's going on in the NFC North, or do you think Green Bay might falter because maybe they didn't bolt, bolster the offense like they should have uh, for a team that was in the NFC Championship just a, a season ago? 
I think it's going to be a, a battle between Green Bay and Minnesota yeah. to win the North. I think it's going to, you know, it's going to, I think, come down to late in the season, maybe last two weeks, because Green Bay, I think they were better than I thought they were last year, but they didn't give Rodgers the weapons he needed. I mean, I was, you know, to be, you know, have an even better year this year. I'm, I'm watching the draft. And I'm going down and all their picks, and I'm like, they're not picking that. They're not giving him an, another big wide receiver. They're not giving him, you know, a better running back build around court. It's just, it, it just seems like they were just almost looking past him yeah. and looking to the future, which is, you know, they drafted a quarterback, which shocked a lot of people. Um, and I was like, I mean, I get it. You want to have you know, maybe the heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers, but it just seems like Rodgers still has some stuff, some fuel left in the tank. Yeah. You know, you don't want to just throw it aside, you know, and just be like, okay, now we got to look to the future. I mean, I just, it was, I don't know if it was the best draft for Green Bay, um, but I think they're still, along with Minnesota, the teams to beat. Um, I always have faith in the Vikings defense, but as I tell other Vikings fans, I never really have faith in the Vikings. <laughs> I, I just don't, ever since we were burned in 1998 as Vikings fans, you know, you had the, you know, the best offense in NFL history, Vikings went 15 and one and then lost in the NFC title game. Mm-hmm. From that point on, I was just like, I will never have faith in the Vikings offense, no matter how many numbers they put up. So maybe that's just the fatalistic, you know, Minnesota fan that I am. But uh, I think it's going to be closer than it was last year between Minnesota and Green Bay on who's going to win the division. Um, I think Chicago's still too far back. I think they took a big step back last year and I could see them getting to eight and eight, but I feel like it's more going to be like a seven, nine, maybe at worst six and 10. Yeah. Whereas you look and then the lions, they're so dependent on Matt Stafford. Really? And teams around the NFL. I mean, they're all, they need their quarterback to be healthy, but the lions are in like a special situation where the team literally can't function without Matthew Stafford. If he's injured, they're just, I mean, as soon as he started having problems, the team kind of fell apart. And I thought they were not going to have a great year last year. I thought they'd finish last, but they ended up finishing far worse than I thought they did. So, and a lot of that is he got hurt. So if he can stay healthy, they have an outside chance. I feel that they could get maybe a wild card, but they still don't have, you know, they don't have the weapons that green Bay and Minnesota have. Yeah. So I, I, I don't think that this is like the worst lions team. They're not going to, you know, but I don't think I'm thinking maybe a five and 11 best six and 10 yeah. for the lions this year. Um, I don't know if that's me being positive. That's me being too negative. I don't know. Uh, some people say I'm too negative a guy. You can't be. You can't be <laughs> negative with the Lions. It's all true. I do think that they drafted well for the first time in a yeah. long time. I thought uh, going after Jeff Okuda to replace uh, uh, Darius Slay and then also picking up DeAndre Swift were two very solid first and second picks for them. So um, 
I, I like I like your prediction there. I'm thinking the same thing. Green Bay, Minnesota fighting for that top spot. Um, Chicago, I think, again, they take a step back. Uh, and Detroit, um, they'll figure themselves out at some point in the season, but it will probably be too late. Uh, that's our yeah. look at the uh, NFC North. We're going to take our first break of the show. When we come back, Ryan's going to stay on here with me, and we'll talk about the AFC North now. Stay tuned. We have all that more coming up next. Welcome back, everyone, to segment two of this episode of Talking Schmidt. It's the NFL uh, preseason preview. As I mentioned the first segment of this show, we're a week away from the start of the NFL season. Now, on top of that, we've talked about the NFC North, and we're going to transition now into the AFC North. Um, last season, we all know the Baltimore Ravens had probably the best season they've had since, uh, I would say, since they won a, a Super Bowl. Um, but also, I mean, just everything went well for them. They finally started utilizing Lamar Jackson in the right way. I think he's gotten bigger, stronger, better. He's the reigning MVP. They obviously uh, stumbled a little bit in the playoffs. The Titans kind of ran all over them. There's an uh, amazing meme, if we all remember, of Derrick Henry using his lead blocker, Earl Thomas, uh, during that <laughs> during that AFC Divisional game. Um, but on top of that, the Baltimore Ravens, 14-2 and finish last year. A great season, regular season for the Ravens. Steelers finishing 8-8 eight and eight without Big Ben. They went through two different quarterbacks, including one of my favorite names, Duck Hodges. Uh, Cleveland Browns, the biggest probably disappointment. Um, uh, they have a lot of players and a lot of playmakers on that team, yet they went 6-10. and 10. And then, of course, the Cincinnati Bengals, they drafted Joe Burrow this year because they had the number one overall draft pick. They went 2-14, and 14, finished last in there. Uh, what was the most surprising thing for the AFC North uh, that you saw, Ryan? I think the most surprising thing was just how good Baltimore's year was going to be. I had them winning the division, but I didn't think they'd finish, you know, with a 14 and two record. I was thinking maybe a 12 and four kind of a thing, but they just, everything went their way until you, until the, they hit the playoffs and then they, you know, faced a Titans team that, nobody saw coming i did not see that team making the afc championship game um but it i still think they're the team to beat i'm thinking i think they're gonna i don't think they're gonna go 14 and 2 i think they could get maybe 13 and 3 i'm thinking it's probably going to be more of the 12 and 4 that i thought it was going to be um just because they people know they kind of shocked everybody last year with how good they were this year. I think more teams are going to know what's coming. They know what they can bring to the table a little more. And I think there's going to be a little more preparation about other teams and they can maybe control Lamar Jackson. You're not going to be able to stop him, but you can, you know, find a way to, you know, keep him under wraps a little bit. I, I, I feel sometimes they rely a little too much on Lamar Jackson, which, you know, I mean, he's so good, you know, he can do some, you know, so much, but you don't want to just expect your quarterback to be able to do everything for you. And yeah. um, I, I think if Baltimore cannot have that happen, I think they're going to do very well with Pittsburgh. Not having Roethlisberger, I think, hurt them a lot. Um, you know, people have said Roethlisberger is 
I mean, he's getting up there. I, I not exactly sure what his age is. I know it's late thirties. Uh, is he hit forty yet? Uh, he's he's darn near close because I believe he's older than Rogers. Um, if you you can continue, and I'll research this for you real quick. Um, but yeah, he he has gotten older for certain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, although, you know, you see the clips that he's posted that, you know, his arm looks fine, you know, he shaved his beard. Yeah, (laughs) 38. Yeah, it's, there's, there's a belief a lot of times that in sports, once you hit 30, your career starts to you know, go in reverse, you know, your stats start to decline. And then there's very few quarterbacks that can still be very effective after 35. And he's one of the exceptions, but he's getting older. He just had a serious injury. It's just, you wonder, whereas I think Aaron Rodgers still has a few years left in the tank. I would say maybe four or five. Roethlisberger, you're thinking maybe two. Yeah. Yeah, just because what he had came back from that injury, but I think I think the Steelers can make the playoffs. I think it's just their their backfield is a little inexperienced. Um, their receivers are okay. They got Eric Ebron, which helps, you know, because he gets a lot of red zone touchdowns. He's kind of a go to that guy there. But he also drops balls a lot too. Yeah, ask so, Lions fans; they'll tell you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Lions fans have a lot of dislike for Eric Ebron, but I think they, I think the Steelers with Roethlisberger, Roethlisberger being back, I think you're going to have a pretty good year. I, I feel like I'm the only person who thought the Browns were going to fail last year. Did you? I, I don't know why, but I read the SI article that said like. The Browns, a playoff team where Sports Illustrated predicted the Browns, they're going to get a wild card. And I was just like, I just don't see it. They're the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> the Cleveland Browns, are they're just who they are. They they always come up short. They disappoint you. And I just, so I was not surprised that they had the year that they did last year. Uh, the big underachievement for a lot of people. So I think they're going to be better. I think though that their best case scenario is maybe nine and seven. Um, I they have a new coach again. What Cleveland getting another head coach? I mean that's unheard of, isn't it? <laughs> right. And that sounds like uh, everyday news. It feels like yeah. in, in the sports yeah. world with Cleveland. Yeah. So I mean I think that'll help. Um, you know, well at least for a little while until they get tired of him if he do, if he underachieves. <laughs> but <laughs> um, I think. You know, the O-line looks like it's improved, so that might help Baker Mayfield. Um, they got a new tight end, Austin Hooper. Um, I think there's a lot of possibility in Cleveland, but again, since they are the Browns, I'm more of the mindset of I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. When it happens, then I'll start to come around to it. But I, if someone's picking the Browns as a playoff team to start the year, I always say, let me see, get through the first like four or five weeks. And if I'm impressed, I'll buy into it. And then there's Cincinnati, which I did not see them bottoming out like they did last year. Yeah. I, 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 I thought the the Bengals have, you know, for the last, what, 10 years have always been that team over the stretch where they're like, 
are they going to ever take that next step? Are they going to be the eight and eight team? Yeah. Year after year after year, who kind of just gets in the playoffs by default <laughs> because nobody else can get the sixth spot or something like that. So I I do think, you know, Joe Burrow is going to help them right away. Um, he does not have bust written on him no. in any way. No. I, yeah, um, so I think that's going to be a help. But it's it's still they were bad last year. It's going to take a couple of years, no matter how good Burrow is, the Bengals aren't going to completely turn it around next year. It's going to probably be, you know, two, maybe three years for them to get, you know, into being like a playoff, you know, I could think maybe they could get in the playoffs, but as far as like a strong contender, it's going to be a while, but I don't think it's all bleak entirely in Cincinnati, but I, they're they're going to be last as expected. <laughs> well, and and I like the fact that you know AJ Green, who I know he obviously is injury prone, but um, we say the injury prone. I mean, he is he is a top receiver when he is healthy. Uh, the fact that he was willing to stay on with a young guy like Joe Burrow just kind of shows that I, I feel like he sees this guy can be a winner. Um, so that's a big step in Cincinnati as well. Again, though, there's there's more than just you know you got your franchise quarterback. Hopefully. Uh, he feels like he's the franchise guy, but again, we're going to have to see how he does uh, through these next few seasons, if he can can kind of have those breakout performances that others have had. Uh, again, with Cleveland, I was one of those people where I thought that they would at least finish above 500 last year. I didn't I didn't have them more than uh, a 9-7 and seven team, even with all the weapons they had, but I just thought that they would have more. You know, I mean, just you, you get in Odell Beckham Jr., you have, you know, Jarvis Landry. Um, you think like, all right, we might be able to see something from them. Their, their backfield's not bad, obviously, with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Um, but then again, you know, it, it just kind of all fell apart. Miles Garrett gets suspended because of the is- the issue that happened with uh, Pittsburgh. And it, it just kind of, you know, you kind of saw it and you're just like, like you said, it's the Browns. This is what we've kind of come to expect uh, with the Browns. But again, um, like you mentioned, Baltimore, this should be their division. Uh, I don't see them having any issues. I feel like they've only gotten stronger um, through the draft, through free agency, uh, I feel like even dropping Earl Thomas, uh, you know, having the issues with Earl Thomas. Yes, he is a he is a talented player, but dropping him and not having that headache anymore on a team, uh, I, I feel Baltimore has really set themselves back up to not only win that division, but probably not have anybody close in that division even like nipping on their heels. Um, Pittsburgh, that's going to be a big question mark. Even with Big Ben, are they more than an eight and eight team? If they if you know, without all the talent around Granite, Juju Smith-Schuster is a very talented receiver. I feel like James Conner has really started to step up, um, but you do notice the difference without a Le'Veon Bell-esque player, uh, without the uh, Antonio Brown before what's going on with Antonio Brown now. Um, you know, just that kind of that that team that was all together, you were like, this is a dangerous team, and I just don't see Pittsburgh as that dangerous team anymore. They could surprise you. They might be able to finish above uh, above 500 this year with a healthy Ben Roethlisberger. I, I feel like with Big Ben, you have a chance to win 10 games because uh, without him, you won eight. So uh, maybe with that signal caller and the veteran in there. But Cleveland, I, I feel like if they can't get above 500, it is a disappointment. Um, 
Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a bigger disappointment than in years past. If they can't go nine and seven at least this year with the talent they have, um, and if they can't finish second in that division, uh, I, I just don't know what the issue is. Um, you know, because you've literally revamped everything and you finally have spent the money you needed to bring in <laughs> players who are talented. Um, but like you said, it just it really it's going to come from the top. They need somebody that's going to come in as a coach um, and just. Uh, bring them all together, and if not, that means that the Belichick uh, the Belichick curse continues in Cleveland. Yeah, it. Uh, I I don't quite understand why some teams, you know, just immediately think that some coach who coached under Belichick is somehow going to bring like the Patriots aura <laughs> to their team. Matt I Patricia. Mean, it, it, I just don't. I mean, I think we've proved that with Matt Patricia yeah. in Detroit. So, yeah. But uh, I, I still think it's going to be a fun division to watch because there's, you know, there's excellence with Baltimore. There's potential for a decent year in Pittsburgh. And you wonder what Cleveland's going to do. So it's uh, it's it's going to be a fun division to watch. And uh, I, I'm I'm looking forward to football. I really am. So. Me too, Ryan. I, I can definitely agree with you on that one. All right, man. Well, it's been great getting a chance to talk with you here. Uh, like I said, it's, it's it's we're that close. We're only a week away. Um, we've gone through the NFC North and the AFC North. Ryan, thank you so much for adding your insight uh, on the episode. All right, no problem. All right, well, we're going to take another break here. When we come back, Justin Kleiner is going to join me. We're going to be talking about the AFC South as we get ready to see uh, what his thoughts are on the Titans. I already know he's going to be a homer on that, but, you know, we'll get to that when we get there. Uh, Again, stay tuned. We have all that coming up next. What's going on, everyone? Thank you so much for joining me this far into the podcast. Don't forget, you guys can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or on Google Play. And you can leave ratings and reviews along the way as well. And don't forget, on social media, at underscore Talking Schmidt on Twitter, and on Facebook, at Talking Schmidt Podcast. All right, let's get back to the action. All right, everyone, we're back. Segment three now, uh, the show a little bit different now. We'll have four segments for these uh NFL preview, preseason previews, if you will, uh, for the next two shows. We'll have four segments breaking it up. Uh, I'm joined for the second half of the show now, uh, the the resurgence from halftime here, if you will, by Justin Kleinard, because we're going to talk AFC South, and then we'll talk NFC South. But Justin, welcome into the show, man. Thanks, Ethan. Pleasure as always. All right, Justin, so uh, last year we had some surprises uh, later on, at least when we got to the playoffs, when it came to uh, the AFC South division. Um, The biggest one, I guess, uh, has to be Tennessee making it all the way to the AFC Championship. I'm going to break down how the AFC South finished after the regular season, though, and then we'll get talking a little bit about that. The Texans ended up winning the division and going 10-6. Titans making the playoffs in the wild card at 9-7. The Colts seven and nine, and then Jacksonville finishing six and ten. Um, obviously, last season we I mentioned it, the AFC Championship game. I don't know a lot of people that maybe thought that the Titans would be there, especially the road that they would have to take to get there. They start off in New England on the road. They end up beating Tom Brady and company, then taking on the reigning MVP Lamar Jackson. Um, I mentioned it in this in this last segment. 
We all remember the meme of uh, Derrick Henry using his lead blocker, Earl Thomas, uh, against the Ravens. Um, it was just a, a lot. And then, of course, going up against the Chiefs, uh, not a bad performance against the eventual Super Bowl champions. But, uh, Justin, what can you say was the most surprising thing? Was it the Titans' late run in this in the playoffs? Or what do you feel is the most surprising thing from the AFC South? I mean, hands down, it's the run the Titans made again. A you know, little partiality here, long-time Titans fan. Um, but even if you take my fandom out of it, uh, the, what the Titans did was absolutely amazing. And, uh, you know, a real special season for them. Uh, you know, and that just goes to show you, you know, the the hope that you can have every year in the NFL with your team, uh, you know, really is true. You know, any team could really – you know, get on a run, a few key players start to develop and evolve through the season. Uh, and, you know, you have a few games go your way, and the next thing you know, you're sitting in the catbird seat. Uh, well, you know, again, just the NFL selling hope better than any other sports league. Again, for this upcoming season, I, I look at this and – um, I feel that the Titans should be the team that wins the division uh, based on how they finished last year. But, um, you know, Houston's still Houston. Deshaun Watson's out there. He's, he's a talented quarterback. Granted, he's not going to have uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I still feel Texans have a pretty talented defense. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts, they add Old Man Rivers uh, to their roster. So they've kind of shored up their quarterback spot after losing Andrew Luck to early retirement last year. Um, I feel like those three teams are the teams that are in contention. I, I just feel, and, and I think we'll both agree on this one, Jacksonville's just, uh, they're out of the picture. Um, uh, it, it's back to rebuild mode like it's been for the past, um, I don't know how many years it's been, but it, it, they've been in rebuild mode, I guess, since that last time that they made an AFC championship game when the Titans beat them. Yeah, so it's been, it's been a slow, agonizing, painful demise for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, really, really unfortunate for them because uh, they're in a really great city. Uh, but again, you know, minus the Jaguars, and really, and I mean, in years past, they have been competitive uh, minus the last two or three years. But you know, the the two South divisions are probably the deepest in all of football. Uh, you know, you could throw in the AFC West this year, you know, with with the Raiders and what they're doing. Uh, but as far as like the top to bottom. Uh, again, a, off a little bit this year just because of the Jaguars. Uh, you know, the Jaguars now, they're, they're pretty much mailing in the season. Uh, they traded away a bunch of key players uh, and pretty much are going to ride this season now with Gardner Minshew, which tells me uh, <laughs> next year they, they, possibly, they, they possibly could be looking for a new coach, uh, but most definitely are going to be looking for a new quarterback. Uh, so, you know, who knows? You may see Dabo and and uh, from Clemson. And, uh, you know, who knows if they can get that number one pick, maybe even Trevor Lawrence. So wow. maybe it's a package deal for them. Uh, but, you know, I, I would I would look for them to make some aggressive moves uh, as far as a coaching search to fill that void um, as well as somebody to, to fill and anchor that quarterback role. Uh, th- this is going to be a year. You're looking at a one to three win Jacksonville team. Uh, probably going to settle down around uh, the two win mark. Uh, that just seems to be the most uh, seems to be the most obvious right now is is where they're going to be. What, what's not so obvious uh, is the rest of the AFC South. But yeah. you're looking at 
and two wins for them. And looking over their schedule, uh, I think they may. I think they'll obviously beat uh, the Detroit Lions uh, this year. Uh, I think the Matt Patricia experiment there may be over after this season. Probably. Uh, and then they they'll probably sneak one out against either the Titans or the Texans. Uh, we'll say the Texans for the sake of conversation. Uh, okay, we can do that. Um, I, I agree with you, though. I, I look at you know you look at all these divisions in AFC East. It's you know a possibility of a, a two horse show there between Patriots Bills. The NFC North should belong to Baltimore. AFC West should belong to Kansas City. Um, AFC or the NFC East. You, I mean. Who knows? Um, and that's just a toss-up of who. It, it really the NFC East at this point and has been for several seasons is whoever wins nine games will win the division. Um, uh, NFC North, yeah. I, I feel you got a two-horse show there with Green Bay and Minnesota. And again, NFC South, could it be one of three teams? Maybe one of four teams. I mean, they have four teams that are talented in there. And then in the West, you know, Seattle and, and San Francisco. So I completely agree with you on that assessment of the Southern divisions right now. I feel like there's the most question marks going into the season. For the AFC South, though, um, with this, with Houston finishing 10-6 and six last season, do you feel them, uh, Are you? do you feel that they can finish that same? Do you finish? think they'll finish better record-wise? Do you finish, think that they'll finish worse? Where do you, where do you see Houston uh, in this upcoming season? Well, so, so if you look at the odds market, uh, the odds market seem to have the Indianapolis Colts uh, winning the division. Okay. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but the Titans are at the two spot. Texans have fallen all the way to the three spot. Um, Bill O'Brien, uh, his experiment as coach slash GM, uh, I think it's failed. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that may even be an understatement there. Um, so I think with what you've seen out of Houston on the field, you know, they were – their players were better than a 10 and six record last year. Um, they completely fell apart in the playoffs. Um, so I, I think, uh, I think you'll see the McNair family, family probably go a different direction this off season. Uh, I think they're going to have a pretty, they're going to have a pretty dismal year. Um, and they're probably, they've got a first, they got a rough first four games. Uh, they, they could be going into week five against Jacksonville 0 and four. Uh, I don't think that would be outlandish, uh, but I, I think you could see them go from that ten and six last year, and they'll probably end up around a six and ten football team. Uh, hate to see it because they got an amazing talent in Deshaun Watson, uh, but just with the coaching uh, out of Bill O'Brien and, the, and and him being the GM as well, not a recipe for success. And and you're going to see that team take a major step back this year and finish around that six and ten mark. All right. I, I mean, I I think losing Andre Hopkins was uh, is probably one of the biggest nails uh, in Bill O'Brien's coffin, to be honest with you. Because I mean, you still have um, you still have J.J. Watt on the defense, and you do have a pretty talented defense still left there uh, in Houston. But you you took away the best playmaker you had for Deshaun Watson. Uh, you got to wonder what that's going to look like this season. Um, I can see that totally happening. I, I can see the Colts finally getting. Uh, you know, I I see them being above. 500 for certain, uh, possibly being a 10-win team this year uh, with Phil uh, Philip Rivers at quarterback. I could see the Titans being a 10 or 11 uh, 11 win team as well. So um, I well, think now, I think now, it ultimately when, comes down to Titans Colts for the division. When you talk about DeAndre Hopkins, let, let's remember 
O'Brien is not wrong for trading him away. Um, trading him away, I think, is fair. I don't think that's a bad move as a GM. But what you get in return for him, I think, is what people had the problem with. Yeah, it was trash. You know, players get traded all the time. Uh, and that was probably a good call to trade him. Um, but you would think they would have gotten a better player or more draft capital in return. And I think that's where he fails as a GM. I think he recognizes when to sign players, when to extend players, you know, how to go out and find players. Uh, but when it comes to making those trades, and and uh, it's not there with him, and, and that's what's going to—that's what's ultimately going to end this termination. Nothing wrong with trading Hopkins. Uh, you know, when you've got a guy like Will Fuller who's been late four years and can't stay healthy anymore, that's an issue. And then you have a washed up Randall Cobb. You know probably don't want to get rid of your best receiver, but if you are, you would like to get a little bit more draft capital and maybe be a more impactful player than uh, Johnson. Yeah, especially with the, uh, I mean, honestly, when you look at it, especially with the receiver class, the top three guys that were coming out of, um, uh, coming out in the draft this past season that you possibly could have got, a guy like CeeDee Lamb, Henry Ruggs, um, you know, you had those opportunities to get some, some talented guys uh, in this year's draft. So, yeah, I, I can see that being uh, the big issue. Again, you know, I, I thought it was dumb when you didn't get anything in return, but ultimately when you don't have the receiving staff that you should for a quarterback who likes to throw the ball. Um, and you really don't have a running game to fall back on uh, either in that one. Um, let's go ahead and let's take a break here, Justin, and we're going to come back. Uh, we're going to talk about the NFC South because um, – we all know what happened this offseason with the NFC South. There was a, some major shakeups. It all kind of started with Atlanta, but then it quickly became uh, TB. And I'm not talking just about Tampa Bay. I'm talking about the man who's there. But we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the NFC South. Stay with us. All right, everyone, we've reached the fourth quarter here, if you will, of Talking Schmidt. We're in our NFL preseason preview show number one, uh, and we're talking NFC South now. And, uh, you know, Justin, when people get older and they live up north, the biggest thing that they want to do is they want to uh, retire down south, right? Like that's what uh, it, a lot of times it's called snowbirding. Um, a lot of people like to, uh, they, they just don't want to take the cold anymore. Well, it turns out, that our good friend uh, Tom Brady did the exact same thing as he left New England and the Boston area to move down, and now he's the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't know if it was just his decision. It seemed like there was a lot going on uh, up in New England, but uh, the NFC South, TB doesn't just mean Tampa Bay anymore. It stands for Tom Brady, and he brought one of his good friends, Rob Gronkowski, along with him out of retirement. And then, of course, the big news that happened today, uh, Leonard Fournette, who was a Jacksonville Jaguar uh, just last season and most of this season up until literally, what, yesterday, I believe, or the day before, uh, he was cut, and now he is on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with that already pretty stacked 
uh, Tampa Bay offense. So, Justin, uh, we talked about the AFC South being kind of a toss-up. The NFC South is kind of looking like it might be a toss-up as well, uh, especially with the addition now of, uh, of Tom Brady, uh, Todd Gurley going to Atlanta. You still have Drew Brees in New Orleans. And then who can forget uh, the Carolina Panthers picking up Teddy Bridgewater to match that backfield that already has Christian McCaffrey in it. I literally just named like almost every All-Pro uh, in in the past like five seasons. So go ahead, try to make some uh, try to make some something happen with this here. So uh, you can't really make much sense of the NFC South. Um, it, it it is very tough to read year to year. Um, I think with with I think you know one. There's one thing you can establish right from the jump here. Okay, New Orleans and Tampa are the best two teams. Yeah. Uh, the worst two teams are Atlanta and the Panthers. Yeah. Uh, so with with the player in the NFL right now that does and play quarterback position and Christian McCaffrey, um, they're probably going to finish dead last. Uh, I don't see them doing any better than that. They're a four or five win team max. Uh, I don't think Bridgewater is the answer there. Uh, and then, you know, this isn't to, to degrade him as a player. I just don't think he's the answer uh, that they're looking for there in Carolina. Uh, so I think you're going to see that team finish around that four to five win mark. Uh, and then you're going to have Atlanta. Atlanta's going to end up somewhere around that 500 mark. Uh, or maybe seven and nine, somewhere in there. I don't know that they'll go as bad as a 10-loss team, uh, but it just depends on how things kind of shake out in those head-to-head games in the NFC South. Uh, But you're going to see them. They're going to finish more than likely third. Uh, Matt Ryan is still an exceptional quarterback, uh, and he's going to throw for 3,000 or more yards, and he's going to throw 20-plus touchdowns, uh, and they're going to be just a mediocre Atlanta team. Uh, they will. I think they're going to put up a good fight. I think you'll see some good games, uh, but I don't think you're going to see them win or finish second. Uh, I do think this is a year you're going to see two teams come out of uh, the NFC South. Um, not to discredit what all Bruce Arians has got brewing down in Tampa. He's brought in, obviously, some of the biggest talent uh, you can have in, in Tom Brady. Uh, I, I'm going to put them in at the number two spot. And again, Amazing talent down there on both sides of the ball. Uh, and, you know, they have Tom Brady, who's probably the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Sean Payton and Drew Brees have completely owned the NFC South since uh, their marriage formed. Uh, and and I think that's going to continue for them. Uh, they're they're going to end up winning the NFC South again. I think it will be close and it comes down to the wire. And honestly, really, it could be a coin flip between the two. Uh, again, it'll come to come down to their head-to-head matchups and their overall NFC South record. It will be close, uh, but I think you're going to see one of those. If you're an NFC team right now, you need to be on the lookout uh, because there's only going to be card spot this year, and uh, that's because either Tampa or New Orleans is going to get it uh, with ten or eleven wins. Yeah, and that, that's pretty much how you're going to see the NFC South shake out. Uh, again, you know, some great talent down there. You got to appreciate the genius of Bruce Arians. Uh, I hope everybody does anyways. If you don't, uh, you need to educate yourself because he's probably one of the uh, probably one of the smartest coaches in the NFL. Uh, and I think he'll be able to put it together when you marry him with a quarterback like Tom Brady. Uh, but, again, until until they can prove they can do it, I think you still have to go with uh, Sean Payton and Drew Brees to, to win the NFC South. 
I, I don't know the last time when you and I've, I'm thinking about this. I don't remember the last time um, that we honestly have been able to say we are going to witness twice this season a battle of two Hall of Fame quarterbacks during the regular season. Uh, but we will when Tampa Bay and New Orleans play twice this year. I really don't yeah. – during the regular season. I mean, in playoffs, you know, in years past, you know, Brady Manning, we would have it during the regular season, and then we'd have it again during the playoffs. Um, but really, when was the last time that a division had two quarterbacks face off that you were just like, all right, these guys are Hall of Famers um, twice in a season? I mean, can you really think of, like, when that would be? I mean, you can go to, you know, Steve McNair and Peyton. They, they had some good runs. Um, yeah, but but outside of that, you're you're really going to be reaching, uh, and, and the reason you're reaching is is because you look at the divisions and and how tough it is to find a great quarterback across the board. Uh, if you've got a good quarterback like a Manning, look what he did to the AFC South. He he whipped the AFC South every year for a decade, and so that caused a lot of player turnover and a lot of coaching turnover. And when you have that, it's hard to find a franchise guy because every new coach wants their guy. Uh, and so you don't see a quarterback last through multiple head coaching changes. And, uh, you know, teams their needs in the draft other than quarterback. So I think it's really tough. But like you said, with the agency this year, uh, that, that's going to be really cool to get to see those guys uh, yeah, I, and I even if I don't even if we don't want to say like Hall of Famers facing off against each other, um, I do look at it as you know when was the last time we had two top five quarterbacks in the league facing off with each other twice in the season? And again, I I don't know if you even have that answer. I mean, I I don't know if you'd have to go back to like the eighties maybe to find that answer, but um, it's going to be exciting. You would have to go back. You would have to go back before my viewership started. Yeah, because I, absolutely. I, I can't take it off the top of my head. Yeah, I, I don't really think um, that there is a time. And granted, I, I feel like obviously the '80s and early '90s, I think was you know a lot of that was dominated by running backs. Anyway, um, you had obviously your Joe Montana's and and uh, John Elway's people like that. But a lot of times, you know, you think of a lot of great running backs that were uh, in that era as well. So um, NFC South again. I, I I agree with you here. I think that obviously you have the ability, the Saints, uh, they went 13-3 and last year. I could see them being a 12-4 and team. Uh, Tampa Bay will definitely finish over 500. Um, I, I can see Atlanta being, you know, possibly maybe a 9-7 and and just kind of be snuck out, maybe 8-8 eight and eight at this point. Uh, but again, Carolina, they have a lot to prove in that division um again uh, a five win team is possible could be a four win team uh depending on you know what kind of gets put into place because there are a lot of things that are missing i think they got hit hard when luke keekley decided to retire early as well so uh, you know you lose your 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 main guy on defense um you know that you've kind of built around and, and that does send shockwaves through your program your organization uh, for Atlanta, you do kind of feel for Atlanta because a bolstering of Tampa Bay just kind of everything the offseason that Atlanta did, you know, adding in Todd Gurley and some of the defensive guys that they added in, you're thinking like, all right, Atlanta might step up this season uh, with guys like Julio Jones already there, uh, Calvin Ridley. You have, obviously, you have Matt Ryan, who's 
uh, uh, you know, been that franchise guy for a long time. Um, you have Todd Gurley now in the backfield, so you're thinking maybe this is the year. And then, of course, Tampa Bay comes in and just kind of ruins everybody's uh, parade at this time. But um, with the NFC well, South, you, uh, go ahead, Justin. You you get better every year, or you, you make an effort to get better every year. Yeah. Uh, and Atlanta did. They, they got better. Unfortunately for them, the Saints were all really, already really good. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, then Bruce Arians goes to Tampa and goes from Jameis Winston to Tom Brady. Uh, unfortunately for them, they, they kind of had a unicorn this year with Brady going down there. Uh, but they did do some good things. And, and that, that second spot could be tough. Uh, you'll just have to see how the season goes for both teams. Because uh, it, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a wild year. It really is. With everything, you know, I think we would be naive to say that we won't see – star players miss games if they do test positive uh, they'll give them every test until they find a negative one um, but we may see some games postponed and some players not play and I think that could change the direction of the game uh, you know Austin Peay in Arkansas this past weekend Austin Peay didn't travel we don't know if that's due to corona or not uh, just because you know because of uh, you know, certain regulations, we're, we're not going to know if that's the reason. Uh, but when you have three-star players not dress and travel with the team, you know, people's minds are going to wonder, and the first thing is it's going to go to Corona. Uh, so I, I think, you know, it's going to be a wild year. Uh, and if things fall right, maybe Atlanta can sneak out a few wins. Uh, but, you know, I think as from what we can see right now, uh, which is absolutely nothing but some people on rosters and what they've done in the past, Correct. Uh, you're looking at probably that three spot for Atlanta. Yeah. Um, I'm excited about football, though. I, I think that's the biggest thing that we've we've learned from this uh, is that football season is back literally a week from the day that this show is dropping for everyone. Um, that, I think, is just exciting for everyone. Yeah, well, again, like I say all the time, sports is such a fine uh, mechanism in our culture and in our society. You know, when you when you turn around and high five a fan, and, and hopefully we get uh, fans in Nissan Stadium uh, in Nashville this year, we'll see if Mayor John Cooper can get his head out of his ass with mm. that. But you know, when you high five a fan at a game, like you know, you don't care if they're gay or straight, you don't care if they're black or white, you don't care if they're a Republican or a Democrat or, or anything else that that you know the media wants to convince you divides us as a country. You both have the love of football and the love of your team in common, and you're just celebrating a good play or, or you know, a win. Uh, you know, so that's really the greatest thing about sports is it unifies all of us. And this is powerful. You look at all the people in the media and all these Corona Bros out here that were just saying, oh, there's no way football's going to be played. Football's not happening this year. We'll see you next year, football. And – and that's not what happened, ultimately. We're, we're playing football, and it's absolutely freaking amazing. And it just shows you the power of, you know, the, the word fan is, is it comes from the word fanatic. And so it just shows you how fanatic people are about their sports teams and about their sports, and they just want to see them play. And we are so blessed to live in this country we live in, and we're going to be able to watch football and watch a professional level football, multiple college games this week uh, as well as next. 
and and just enjoy just a a, a complicated sports between the NFL, between MLB, uh, and you know if, if you know for those five people that still watch the NBA, they can watch it. Uh, you know, six if you include LeBron's mom. But you know, we we're just so we're so lucky to have all this sports right now, uh, and you know we're getting in a better place with this virus in the country. We're moving forward, and damn, I'm just ready to see some football on TV. Uh, again, and it was such a relief having it this past weekend. I'm sure you enjoyed that game as well. Absolutely. Not quite the results we wanted, but to see a school like that, uh, you know, on a national stage in Central Arkansas and Austin Peay, that that is just some exceptional exposure for them. Uh, Not to get off topic, but, man, I'm just – I'm with you. I love the game of football. The game of football, uh, I played it my entire life, and I just absolutely love it. Uh, and I can't wait to see professional and college teams around the country start to kick off here in the next few weeks. It is just going to – I don't know how we're going to keep up with it all, Ethan. I really don't. Yeah. Um, don't forget also high school football is been – it's been going in other states as well, um, yeah. even in Tennessee and uh, uh, our very own alma mater, Clarksville High School Wildcats, kick off this Friday against Stewart's Creek. If you haven't already, check out Season 1, Episode 1 of the Isaac Shelby Show. That's called a plug, my friends. Um, we're, I, I, I sat down with Coach Shelby, uh, the head football coach at Clarksville High School. Um, it's a little bit easier now because I don't know if I mentioned this on the last show or not, Justin. Uh, it's been a little bit, obviously. Um, and the reason why it's been a little bit in between shows is because I've actually been – I'm on the staff at Clarksville High School as a volunteer assistant and also handling social media and things like that. So I've been able to do this podcast with Coach Shelby um, so it, it's, it's, you know, it's cool to see the fact that not only we're having pro, uh, pro football back, we have college football back. We're going to have high school football already in action in most States. And, and, and I'm going to be on a sideline on a Friday night. Uh, last Friday was hard for me. Um, because my good friends, uh, Jake Stanzel and, uh, Shay Schrader and Bailey Harbit were back in Joplin putting on some really talented shows and getting a bunch of stuff shot on a Friday night. Um, and I was not a part of that for the first time in five years, uh, whether it was in Michigan or, or in Missouri. And so it was weird to see the scores coming in on my phone. And like uh, my phone on Friday nights is, it, you know, it it's inseparable for me because, you know, I'm watching scores come in. And so last Friday was a little weird. Like I went out to dinner on a Friday night instead of being at a high school football game covering it. Um, but again, this Friday will be a little bit different because I'll be back in, in purple and, and gold and uh, back well, on and a Clarkson High School sideline. And I tell you, Ethan, that, that said, uh, let's not forget, college, and fo- college football and professional football with the NFL, they may be the absolute best product of football out there. But the most enjoyable still is high school football. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I had the treat of already listening to that episode with Isaac. Uh, you know, I played for Isaac. Isaac was an assistant when I was there. Uh, you know, so I've got to watch him locally here in Clarksville uh, do well at multiple schools here. Uh, a really treat to get to listen to him. Uh, probably the smartest football guy in all of Clarksville. Yeah. Uh, does a great job surrounding himself with really smart guys. Uh, and, you know, he, he is a player's coach. You know, when you talk about player coaches or, you know, front office coaches, the, the, Isaac Shelby is a player's coach. Uh, and I've said it before and I'll say it again. His players that play for him are so lucky because they they have a coach in him that not only is going to develop them for their future as men, but develop them for their future on the field. 
Uh, and also, whether they want to play at the next level or not, regardless of if it's at the FBS level, FCS level, uh, you know, one or two or, or private, any level that they want to play at, he is going to work. As, as long as they're willing to put in the work, too, he's going to work his tail off to get them in. And you cannot ask for more out of a high school football coach than to be that invested in the players to work his ass off to get them to whatever level that they want to play at after high school. Uh, and, and that really goes undersold, especially with the way talent is spread out in Clarksville uh, and the coverage of high school football in general. Uh, but you have to tip your hat to Isaac Shelby. And, and it's great just hearing from him and uh, getting to know what's going on with their program this year. Absolutely, man. I appreciate that because you also gave me a uh, compliment out there by saying he surrounds himself by smart people. So I'm going to take that one, and uh, that's how we're going to end the show here. Uh, Justin, thanks so much for joining me, man. I appreciate you getting a chance to break down the uh, AFC-NFC South with me. Absolutely, Ethan. you got to take those comments where you can get them, okay? Absolutely. All right, everyone, that's been this uh, first episode here, if we will, of the preseason uh, previews for the NFL season. We're going to have the rest of the divisions uh, coming up next Tuesday. We hope that you join us again then. But for this episode of Talking Schmidt, we hope everyone has a safe and great weekend. Thanks so much for listening.